Hello and welcome to The Dirt in partnership with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. We're the podcast that understands you can't always be an expert on everything in the garden. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Blake, Laura's deputy. And today love is in the air as we talk gardening Valentine's gifts. We've also got your essential tasks on the plot this week. But first, we've got the YouTube gardening sensation Hugh Richards on the phone. Hi, Hugh. Hey there. Hello, how's everything in your garden? Great. I mean, it, it's all a bit on, on hold at the moment. It's, it's ready for spring. It's ready to jump into action, but it's, um, it's kind of paralysed. That's probably the best way to describe it at the moment. Oh, it's just that wait to start sowing everything. You sort of feel like you want to get started now, but then you remember actually it's still only February. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and also because I live in a cooler climate than quite a few people in the UK, um, I've got to be even more patient as well. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's fun. So when when will you get started on your plot in Wales? So I'm gonna I'm gonna start sowing some things end of February. So that will be things like tomatoes and broad beans. Um, uh-huh. But the the main sowing month is definitely April. I mean, of course, put the potatoes in in March. But I've learned from experience to just not rush because very often we get one late frost after two or three weeks of nothing as like a yeah. as like a final kiss goodbye from winter <laughs> yeah <laughs> just to check that you weren't too eager it's like yes yeah trying well, to I catch think you it out. was last year wasn't it where we had snow in April wasn't it There's something or was that the year before I remember yeah. there was one really late yeah snow and the whole garden kind of just went nope yeah. <laughs> not having yeah, that exactly <laughs> so as you may know, on the dirt, we like to get, you know, we like to dish the dirt on some of the bad things that happen in the garden, but we like to ease you in. So we're going to start out with any successes that you've had. So feel free to brag. All right. Okay. So um, successes. I'll start with growing successes. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say probably last year, one of the successes was growing chickpeas for the first time. Oh, cool. oh wow. Yeah, because... I'm really interested by with trying to grow new things and and really push um push the limit with things. So all I did was mm-hmm. buy some dried chickpeas from my local whole food shop and I planted them in mid-April in modules and then planted them out and then yeah got a chickpea crop which was really cool uh, oh, wow. especially in Wales. <laughs> yeah. because the great thing about chickpeas is that they're very drought resilient um and the year before so 2018 we grew peas and because it was so dry the crop was over mm-hmm. within two weeks um so so right. the great thing to do with gardening and and with a vegetable garden or allotment is to diversify and grow as many different things as possible so then it means no matter what kind of summer you're going to have what kind of weather life and, and the world will throw at you, you're always going to have successes. And is it true with chickpeas, what was the crop like? Because um, you don't get that many chickpeas from it, right? No, no. You How get did you find it? About two a pod on average. Yeah. But So did you feel it was worthwhile growing? Yeah, them? I had so much fun, honestly. I was just, uh-huh. I'm just going up to the garden to check on the chickpeas, you know, no other reason because <laughs> it, it's novel it's new and sometimes yeah. people can get really stuck in the rut with gardening and they start to think oh it's not it's not as fun anymore so what i mm. i definitely suggest is if if you're listening and you, and you feel that that's you try growing some 
really weird and wacky things this year and it really does build up that excitement again. Um, so do you have any wildcard crops planned for this year or are you just <laughs> going to see what comes along? Great question. Um, I'm going to s- try different things. Um, quinoa or quinoa, however you wish to say it. Amaranth. Yeah. Um, loofah. Yeah. I'm going to try some loofah. Me too. Oh, you're trying yes. that this yeah, year, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. Oh, really? I've ordered my seeds already. Say, yeah. when did you order yours? Literally about three days ago. Okay, so, I need, so I did think I. That's takes, weird. It has quite a long, well. long growing season <laughs> as well. So I think, yeah, yeah, it takes a while. Yeah. Um, and I'm also going to try growing Chinese artichoke. All right. I don't know much about so that. So it's, if you know ochre, also known as New Zealand yeah. yam, yeah. the tuber, um, it's kind of similar to that, but longer and thinner. And I, I believe white mainly. What's your growing space like? Do you have sort of a large space yeah so we have um it's now two gardens so so one is kind of in partnership with the rhs running different growing trials um and then the other garden is the main garden it's it's the home family kitchen garden um and Mm -hmm. we've got roughly i don't know maybe 22 24 raised beds i I mean i should know this off by heart but i I, i'll never remember (laughs) Um, so yeah, we've got those raised beds, uh, lots of soft fruit, a solar tunnel. So a solar tunnel, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of a hybrid polytunnel, but it's got this mesh within it. So if it rips, it rips no more than two centimetres. Um, so that's really nice. Oh, yeah. right. oh, that's really handy, isn't it? Because I guess if you have any, you know, really terrible weather and you see people with their whole polytunnels almost ripped in half, don't you? So- yeah, or... That's really useful. Or if you're a bit clumsy like me and you're walking around with loppers and accidentally walk into it, <laughs> it, it isn't bad. So moving on from successes to the sometimes slightly less popular topic of failures, have you had anything in the garden um, that hasn't gone quite so well or something that, you know, you felt Aside a little bit embarrassed about at the time? With your but, loppers as well, yeah. But things, you know, that things that have been learning experiences every year absolutely every year i mean <laughs> every year it's different um and the thing that people who, who don't have any knowledge of gardening they, they don't quite appreciate how challenging it is to not know exactly what weather we're going to have um and things like that and also all the variables against us we've got weeds we've got slugs we've got rabbits even squirrels i've seen squirrels um stealing and eating gooseberries uh, which was a weird <laughs> sight yeah i mean every year i i feel that there's there's something that doesn't quite go well every year but i've, I've learned to accept that you can't always expect everything to go well because then when it does it, it the negativity hits you twice as hard so it's just trying to keep it real and and so um last year what didn't go quite so well well the year before the broad beans were utter failure and and oddly last year mm. they didn't work quite as well either so what i'm doing this year is trying to sow them earlier because if we try and sow them and overwinter them usually our winters are just way too cold um for mm. for that to be effective mm-hmm. and then it's really sporadic and it doesn't really look very neat but to try and overcome this year i'm gonna yeah sow them in in um late february and uh and so yeah broad beans um were one uh, another thing that i have always struggled with but actually last year worked really well um were cabbages and i think i don't know i think i just managed to sow them the right time and um and be patient and, and make sure they had plenty of compost and something else that 
has always been a struggle with us were onion sets and I know I'm kind of including successes with the failures but I think the two work hand in hand so we've always had issues with onions and getting things like mm. rust on them and, and and mildew but last year was the best year uh, of onions I just grew them from sets started them in mid-march then planted them out um started them in modules planted them out about I don't know three or four weeks later and it was such an amazing crop and the, the, the thing that I really want to um, exemplify here is that if something doesn't work in, in a garden, there's, there's always another way around or another way of doing it. It's like, how do you count up to 10? Mm-hmm. Five plus five, yes, but also six plus four or seven plus three. There's, there's more than one way of doing it. So, so what I've learned yeah. is if something doesn't quite work, change it until it does work. I think sometimes... That's a really, really good point. And sometimes it can just be a little bit difficult. You don't know what quite went wrong or what you need to change. And I think that learning experience is often what comes with time, isn't it? Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people I know who who just do intuitive gardening, um, which I think is mm-hmm. brilliant. I, I don't think, I don't know, I do a bit a bit of intuitive gardening if, if, if I feel like it or if I'm not bothered to look in the planting plan. Um, but over time, you do see those those subtle signs of, of what didn't quite go right. And, and it's honestly, Blake, it's a, it's a process of elimination. You start, you, you look at the big picture and then you start to think about the things which could have influenced it mm-hmm. and then didn't. And then very quickly, you'll come to maybe two or three possibilities. And that gives you so much more clarity than 30 potential things that could have caused that. Absolutely. Um, and obviously you're big on YouTube, as we mentioned at the start um, of the episode with 187k, I just checked followers or subscribers on there. So how, you know, that keeps seems to keep going up when we spoke last year, that's like far bigger than when we last spoke to each other. So yeah, what kind of responsibility do you feel for, you know, being able to reach that kind of audience and, and push it to new people? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because 20 years ago nothing like this would have been possible mm-hmm. it, it's such a, a fantastic opportunity using the internet to connect with people and so when I started my channel I think I was around I was around 12 and um, all my friends were like oh gardening um, but but the great thing is that you might be the only person who has a particular hobby in your town and 20 years ago you'd have feel felt isolated but today you connect with that one individual person across the millions of towns across the world and and that's great but obviously gardening is a lot more popular and i it's amazing because i get views all over the world my main audience are actually in america um i've had yeah i've had one view from north korea so i'm looking forward to kim (laughs) jong-un sending me an invite and i've yeah there's this really nice interactive (laughs) map on youtube where you just highlight over the different countries and it tells you how many views you've had from it and then in terms of total watch time it's over a century and a half now of watch time and it's it's amazing to to feel that i've managed to provide a century and a half of information to the world through through videos and and about gardening which to be honest, that is kind of addicting because I, I want my I set myself an ambitious target of um, I want to hit a millennium of watch time, a thousand wow. years. 
we'll see we'll see <laughs> that is an amazing target yeah i mean it, it would be something cool anyway i don't know um if the queen would knight you for that but i wouldn't care i'm not interested in that at all you've got to be in with the shout you've got yeah, to absolutely. be in with the shout but also it means that it's also kind of pushing against mainstream so mainstream is like all, all the uh newspapers and then you've got things like gardener's world and and monty don and all the presenters and stuff and back when it was just tv you had to be very lucky or know the right people to to have a chance to to go in front of the public and share things but with youtube i've managed to bypass that and in fact mm -hmm. youtube is so um powerful i found out a couple of weeks ago um, that my book that came out last March was a top grossing gardening book in the UK. So it's, it's, it's great wow. to be oh, wow, ahead amazing. of Monty Don and, and it's just me and stuck in <laughs> Wales uh, with my little YouTube <laughs> channel and uh, not on Gardener's World. So there's, there's a lot of power behind it. It's deserved. I think, I think your book last year was really, really great. And you've obviously got a new one on the horizon at the moment, haven't you? So. Yeah. Yeah. I got a new one coming out end of this month, grow food for free. Uh, all I'm trying to do is I feel that there's a lot of different excuses as to why people either give up or don't start gardening in the first place. Uh, and the idea with the first book was a lot of people just say, look, I don't know where to start. There's so much information. I'm, I'm not going to bother. So I just thought, look, single raised bed. It's all you need. I'm going to hold your hand through it month by month to make it as simple as possible. Um, and then within yeah. the second book, it's um, I, I feel a lot of people think that growing food is too expensive and you're always having to buy seeds and, and everything. So I just thought I'd take it to the extreme and see if it can be done for free. And people can do it for free if they want, or they can just use it as, as ideas and inspiration on, on how to cut back on costs every year. I think that leads us really nicely into our next kind of major point, which is what shortcuts or hacks you would advise people to do that you do that you're a fan of work. So things that aren't necessarily by the book. Do you have you've... a, a favourite one that you use every year? Oh, <laughs> there's, there's so many different things. Um, the thing that got me into gardening hacks was um, on, I think it was on uh, YouTube, someone had done uh, hacks with plastic bottles and it was cooking one. So I did a, uh, mm -hmm. a, a one with gardening and it, it had a few hundred thousand views which I, I you know it's amazing and and uh, and then some another thing that also helped was jeff hamilton using a rain gutter to grow peas in and then slide out the peas into a trench yeah, yeah. that's the most satisfying yeah. thing in the world but there, there's there's other things as well one thing was uh for me growing hack um was growing potatoes the lazy way just literally getting a raised bed laying seed potatoes on top of the soil on top of the earth and then covering it with loads of hay and loads of or loads of straw or whatever and just leaving it for the plants to grow through cover it with another mulch and then when it comes to harvesting you just pull it away and you pick out the potatoes and they are so clean uh, and you never need to water them uh, it, it's so nice and you don't you don't have to dig or disturb the soil either and I guess, I don't know, I guess another hack, it isn't, it's arguably not a hack, but it's it's really learning about succession sowing. I, I still think this is very mm -hmm. missed, very much a missed opportunity in, in the gardening world um, and knowing how succession sowing works and how to do it as effectively as possible to, to maximize things. And 
um, the tip that I'd say is everyone's busy sorting out their yearly garden plan and, and usually it's on a, a sheet of paper and it looks really nice and pretty and they're, they're putting all the vegetables in different places. But there's one downside to that and that's not seeing it month by month because the thing is you've got your potatoes in your yearly plan and then you end up harvesting all your potatoes in July and then you're left with this empty bed and you're not quite sure what to do with it. And you think, oh, maybe I yeah. could put some leeks in, but by then it's too late to sow leek seeds. So what I do with a, a, a plan is I actually split it month by month. So I can see and kind of foresee the changes with each month. So I can start sowing mm. a month or two beforehand. So as soon as something comes out, I can put another crop in and, and really almost double harvests. I guess that yeah allows you to be really reactive with what's happening in the garden. It does, and it's it's not absolutely bulletproof. Sometimes I I can't put seedlings in, and I have to sacrifice seedlings, and that is a tragedy. And it, you know it's really upsetting when you have to sacrifice seedlings, but it's something that you've got to do and accept because um, fortunately seed packets usually have loads uh, for us. I think that's definitely a lesson that I need to learn because I, I'm not especially good at planning in my garden because I've got quite a small garden and I tend to end up being massively over enthusiastic about everything mm. having far too many plants for every space and every year I think now I'm going to plan properly I'm going to use successional sowing and then spring comes around and I just think yeah yeah I know <laughs> let's sow some things yeah, yeah I mean <laughs> so that's my I can't blame you though we, we've had to wait all winter yeah. and then just get so excited and oh, I was like do any of the neighbours want any plants yeah, yeah. <laughs> the worst is when you have a glut and you've got courgettes and then the neighbours start pretending that they're not in when they see you walking up <laughs> yeah. to the front door yeah. with yet yeah. another load like of like drawing courgettes. the curtains yeah. closed yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there is actually a book, isn't there? What do I do with all these courgettes is or something? Oh, yeah, really? I we think my parents that have that book, <laughs> Essential. Yeah, I mean, that, that should be a bestseller right there. Yeah. <laughs> so bringing us on to our final question, in the time that you've been growing, what would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned? Oh, wow, that is... <laughs> it's a big question. It is, yeah. No pressure. Um, <laughs> The most important lesson I've uh can can I be really awkward? You yeah. can, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give two. Okay. So the first one is patience. Um patience is absolutely everything. I I can't stress it enough. There's there, especially in allotments, I, I feel that people get very competitive and they're like i want to be the first one to put out my broad beans i want to be the first one to yeah. to sow my carrots and and the thing is if you want to be the first with everything you the risk of of failures or, or crops not working um grows you know tenfold and and what i say is just try and ease into spring um don't get overly excited and i also find that even if you plant things a little bit late they almost always find a way of catching up anyway. Um, but also you've then reduced uh, and, and um, lessened the chances of having a failure. So that's the first big lesson. And I think the second big lesson is learning about soil health and respecting the soil. Um, this is, we've been, our garden's mainly been low dig, not no dig, but low dig um, for many, mm. many years. It's now around about 90% no dig. Um, but I've, I've had 
I've been reading lots of books about soil health, things like teeming with microbes, and it's it's scientific, but if you're willing to sit through it and, and work through the, the, the jargon as well, it is absolutely fascinating how microbes and fungi work in partnership with plants to, to not only um, help provide nutrients, but to protect against pests and diseases. And so I found that absolutely fascinating. And I think we need to take a moment to thank Charles Dowding for really bringing that in um, to popularity around the mm-hmm. UK. Yeah. No dig gardening, I believe, is is perhaps the greatest revolution um, happening uh, within you know the last few decades in terms of gardening. And, and it's for all the right reasons. So I saw a video yesterday, someone on Facebook on an allotment group, and, and it was a sped up version of them double digging over a single raised bed, and it looks so painful. <laughs> and, and then you look at the comments, and you see about 50 people saying, oh, why, you, you know, use no dig, and, and there's been a massive yeah. shift. Um, but I think that shift has been very quiet, so... It's been bubbling in the background and and I think mainstream is kind of not wanting to accept it, but it will be inevitable. Definitely. You heard it here first. No dig is the way forward. Thanks so much for chatting to us, Hugh. It's been really great. And Blake, shall we pop back to the office and grab Grow Your Own's Ed Assistant Rose and we will head to our team chat. Let's do it. So I'm armed with our teas and our coffees and I'm ready to talk about Valentine's Day because it is Mm -hmm. the season of love. So I wanted to ask what you think are good gifts for gardeners this Valentine's Day and what you would want. Well. You both look really stumped. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I would say it's very much a balance between the want and the need. Okay. Like in the garden, I definitely need a cold frame this year but what I would really want basically my whole life I've just loved animals I just love animals I want all the animals in my garden so the ideal thing would be a hedgehog house a bug hotel I'm dubious to say any sort of bird feeding apparatus because where I live we have loads of seagulls and I mean seagulls that are the size of dogs so what is it with Ipswich seagulls? There is something about going to Suffolk whenever I go. The seagulls are humongous. And also you can't put birds, like you don't see any little birds in the garden because the seagulls eat them, <gasps> which might sound like a ridiculous That's thing to crazy. say. Does, but once looked at my neighbour's roof, there was a seagull sort of doing some <laughs> weird seagull, seagull motion. <laughs> I'm acting it out because I know, you know, the listener can't Very see. convincing, Laura. And we were like, what's it got in its mouth? Oh, wait, another bird. So I think I'd like what? to attract all of the wildlife with the exception of birds for their own yeah. safety. Okay. We used to have giant ones in Brighton and they were huge. And they used to put our warnings to say, beware of the seagulls because they really? were really feisty. <gasps> yeah. I remember one time I saw this man, he just bought some chips and I've never seen so many seagulls. <laughs> like It was like Armageddon, but seagull version. It wasn't great. My favourite film is The Birds. Like It's the only film in black and white that I've I can watch. That. It's really, really is old. I think maybe like Alfred? 60s. Mm. Yeah. Is it Hitchcock? They remade yeah, it. Yeah. Be scary. I think it's, 
Yeah, and that's so terrifying. And I do feel like, sorry, I have segued us a little bit there. So uh, do you have any Valentine's gift suggestions? funny you should ask that, Laura, because... I've come with a list. I am prepared. And so not being <laughs> presumptuous or anything. Just in case anybody at home is listening and they want to, you know, try and woo me a little bit. The way to my heart is... Blake at Grow Your Own. Yeah, exactly. I've got a list of things that I wouldn't mind having for Valentine's Day or at any time of year. One is a trip to an RHS garden. Nice. Or any of the gardens. Not too fussy. Yeah. I'd also like a bigger plot. So if you can supply that, that would be great. Um, there's a long list of houseplants that I want. Uh... I also wouldn't mind some homegrown produce. So if you're ever growing anything, obviously not this time of year, but in the summer and you've got a glut, send some my way. I'm always happy. I love food, Um, especially if you can make it into some homemade jam or condiments like tomato sauce. Uh, I put a little plug for us here that I think is a good gift, which is a subscription to Grow Your Own magazine. Excellent subscription. I mean Uh, gift. (laughs) (laughs) So Blake, you... um you don't want a lot then? Just a few things. Yet, oh, oh gosh, sorry. <laughs> Go on. You could also offer to come and help me out for the day, just like clearing my <laughs> plot. <laughs> that would be the ultimate like um, expression of your love for me. Giving you time. To... Exactly. Time in the garden. Exactly. And help and just, yeah, some manpower to do some things. Mini greenhouse would be nice if you want to splash the cash. Uh, or just any gardening books. I love reading gardening I books. I was going so. to say books. I'm Sorry. That is a good one. Though, yeah. Um, Rose, I think we should draw attention to an excellent gardening gift for, for the listener because you don't have this beautiful visual aid. Blake doesn't have shoes on at the moment and has vegetable oh, yes. socks. I do. Oh, Work them on the table, it's Blake. Quite, it's quite the look. So they are brilliant. What vegetables have you got on your... I spot a radish. You do spot a radish. What it's else radish. is that? Is that uh, an onion? It's an onion. I've also got beetroot and carrots. Carrots are strange shaped on there. Yeah, they're kind of... I think they're they like might be like <laughs> mini rooted yeah. carrots. Um, they're really, really nice. And I think they're quite stylish. I got them for Christmas from my mum. Thanks, mum. They're really, really yeah. nice. And I think Shout now that... Blake's mum. Exactly. And now that I work on a gardening magazine, I do feel like people feel like vegetable related gifts are a safe bet oh, with yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm happy with it. So I'm like, yeah, get me all of the veg related gifts. That's fine. I think it's an easy present, isn't it? If you know someone's got a hobby or a yeah. passion and then... As soon as Valentine's or birthdays or Christmas comes up, I think just go for that. You know, if you've got a loved one who loves to potter about in the garden, get them that vegetable themed apron or whatever. Don't you have another vegetable related gift? Oh God, I do as well. And this is also from my mum. So I kind of hope she's not listening right now because this is a slightly weird present that I got from her, which was a gourd. But it was right. so like a gourd, like a squash shaped. Oh. Yeah. And it was made into a lamp. So it was a oh real gourd and it had been dried and painted and had like a light put on the bottom. It was a lamp. Do you that sounds, Is it in your house? And it's in, it is in my house and it's really cool. And I, when I look at it, I think this is such a cool thing because it's handmade, yeah. it's bespoke. It's, it's just like a, a really cool thing, but. It doesn't really fit with anything in my house and I'm not sure I would have spent money on it myself. Where on earth did she get it from? I think she got it handmade locally somewhere, yeah, where we are in Essex. That sounds amazing, yeah. Does it not, has the like drying it and varnishing it, does that stop it from degrading? Because you'd think that the heat from the light bulb yeah, yeah, I did wonder about this, but I've had it just over a year now and it still seems to be intact. So I'm not sure whether amazing. over time it might deteriorate, but the varnish seems to be holding strong and it's a real 
conversation starter whenever yeah. anybody I comes over. It so. seems like your mum has a really good eye for presents. Yeah. It sounds like a really cool present. Um, thinking now about a sort of a different kind of love. Okay. Friendship love oh. rather than a romance love. Like our kind of love. Yes, like the grey own love. Um, I saw a story about um, the RHS Garden for Friendship by Joe Thompson with input from Zoe Ball and about how friendships can grow in green spaces. Oh, I read about so this. I was wondering, have both of you had any experience of, you know, being a grower yourself, sort of starting a conversation or building a friendship? I know there's a lot a lot of interactions online and things. So how how do you think it helps grow friendships? I think I don't have an allotment myself, but I do remember as a child growing with my grandma and I think that friend, I know it was sort of family, mm. more family, but... You could be friends with your family. Exactly, exactly. So it was building those relationships when you were helping as either a child or as a grown-up. I definitely felt like a connection, like more on in the garden when my nan was showing me how to harvest potatoes and grow carrots. I mm. think that... It's almost like that unspoken, it's the act of sort of doing it together. Yeah. I think it, it's sort of, it's lovely. I love that. Yeah. My neighbours, um, you can see over our fence. And so we often chat over the fence when we're out in the garden. And, and last summer we did share some of our plants, which mm -hmm. was really, really nice. So they were growing sunflowers and I wasn't, so, but they passed them over because they had too many. Um, literally just passed it over the fence yeah. to me. Uh, and That's I so gave lovely. them some seeds and it's just, yeah, it was really, really nice. And it helps to build those bonds. Yeah, I would say um, mine is probably with neighbours as well. Um, we've got some lovely next door neighbours who have an allotment and they're kind enough to share lots of their produce with us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've given them some seeds and we always, you know, chat about it, been to their allotment and had a barbecue with some of their allotment stuff. And then we've got some other neighbours sort of at the bottom of our garden who also grow things and they always leave little bags of apples from their tree over the fence I and everything. That. So it really does... I think it really does sort of nurture that feeling of community and I and people who have allotment plots I think you know those are friendships that you wouldn't necessarily have met them otherwise but you can make friends interest. for life this yeah. way as well it's a great conversation starter because people love to talk about what they love yeah so if you sort of start a conversation with someone who you know loves gardening they can go on forever and they might not have had an opportunity to talk about it I think that it's really important to talk to people who you know around on the allotment who might sort of, you might see them by themselves quite yeah. a bit. Um, and pe yeah, people love to talk about their passion. So as we know, probably from the Hugh conversation, mm. he loves to talk about what he loves to do. And I'm, so just other people who are around you. Yeah. When definitely. you're passionate about that thing. Yeah. It's nice to be able to share that yeah. with other people. And to just ask people questions like, mm. what are you growing? What are you doing? At I the get moment? that a lot. Yeah. Working on Grow Your Own magazine, like, like with my neighbours, they'll say, they'll be asking me questions about it, but it is really, really nice. And it's just, it's really great to see these younger people that are actually getting out and doing this as well. Yeah, definitely. Shout and out I, to them. I think as well, the whole thing about um, that, I, you know, you mentioning the Hugh conversation that Hugh said, that's very true is there's lots of different ways to, 
do things in the garden Mm -hmm. so I think that's another great thing about the sort of building of the community is that something might not be working for you but your allotment neighbor or one of your friends or something might have tried it a slightly different way and then yeah love it Love it. Love it. There's a lot of love flying around in so today, love. isn't there? Anyone would think it's nearly the 14th of Feb. <laughs> well, my story isn't exactly love related, but it is about a love of plants and saving plants okay. and seeds. So Kew Gardens, um, I know that we talked about Kew Gardens briefly in the other podcast, but I do have other stories that are not all about you Kew love Gardens. <laughs> I have been, I do love it. Again, love, but um, so... Kew Gardens, as we all know, there's been horrific wildfire um, in Australia and a lot of devastation has occurred. So Mm. Kew Gardens is helping to protect Australia's plants. And what they're doing is they're um, setting up an emergency collection of seeds in areas devastated by these fires and storing them, some of the rarest species in the world's biggest wild seed bank. So I didn't Mm. know, I I didn't know if you'd heard of, of this massive seed bank that was a thing. No, that sounds amazing. I know, this sounds pretty epic. Over Mm. 2.3 billion seeds from 190 countries are stored in airtight glass containers in huge minus 20 degree freezers underground. So it's the idea that we can grow new generation of plants in years to come. I've heard about this, so we don't lose Mm, those plants. Yes, it has 41,000 different species. So That's amazing. So I just kind of wanted to ask you if there was like one plant or one vegetable or something that m- could go under extinct in extinction like what would you want to save what's your favorite oh, oh. I know I would want to save and it's a really basic one and it's this is never going to happen but my tumbling toms are so important yeah. oh, to me yes. as a small space grower I get so much off of yeah. them so yeah th- for my desert island yeah it's like your veg. desert island fruit or vegetable yeah. like if you could only have one or you could only save one what yeah. would it be there's other veg that i like eating more but actually just the how productive it is yes. it's so mm-hmm. so good for the amount of space you need to use so i love that yeah i think mine would be perhaps strawberries maybe? okay oh, yeah. yeah um i mean they're quite like a treat um but if i had a vegetable perhaps potatoes i love growing potatoes yeah so it can't beat a potato. There, no. I know we've had this discussion many times in the office, but I don't believe there's a bad format of potato. No. I don't think there is no, either. I was talking to someone who was like, I don't really like potato. And I was reading don't off. Don't trust them. And you're like, every... which type of potato exactly. don't you like? Is it mashed? Or... I was like, jacket potato. They were like, not fast. So I was reeling them all off. And I was like, <laughs> jacket potato is very close to my heart. And yeah. The, the fact <laughs> that they didn't love potatoes was very shocking. But of course, everyone... Everyone has their own taste, so it's fine. Yeah, definitely. But you can do so many different things with them. I, know. I just oh. and they're really fun to grow as well. Yeah, yes. so like earthing them up, that whole process of what am I going to find is like really. And if there's so many different varieties that you can grow, sweet potatoes. That's another one. I also think one of my favourite gardening terminologies is around potatoes. Oh, I know what this is. Have a fertile. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. First time I saw that word, I mean... Which means, Which means having a little feel under the surface (laughs) to see where your potatoes are at, what's going on. Have a little feel. There's something about the word that's just really cute. Yeah. I love it. I'm avoiding answering which crop I would save because I don't know. You just want to save them all. I want to save them all. I mean, I would agree with tomatoes. But also in terms of what I really enjoy growing, I really love growing chilies. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, I wouldn't be able to choose 
one. Well, that's fair enough. It's hard. It's so hard. Hence the reason why they're, there's 41,000. <laughs> I mean, yeah. thank goodness. Like, they're not choosing. They're just saving at all. So Thank goodness this yeah. is not something that we're having to oh, no. actually decide. Definitely not. Um, anyway, I suppose we had better get back to it. So we will throw over to the Organic Gardening Catalogue's Chris Collins for his Organic Tip of the Week. Right, I'm, t- I'm speaking out to all those people who've just taken over an allotment or have got a big allotment and it's got a big weed problem. When I took mine over, I had a lot of horsetail. Well, here's my big tip for you. Get some Mypex to cover that ground over. Maybe put a nice thick layer of manure underneath, put Mypex over and just leave it for the season. Gradually that manure will break down, the soil will get looser, take it up and you'll find the roots pull out very, very easily. It's a great way to reclaim a piece of allotment that's been overrun with weeds. That's my tip for today and I'm going to hand you over to Jobs on the Plot. As we move further into February, we can really feel spring is on the horizon. We're stealing back some extra minutes of light in the evenings, and some days are even offering a little late winter sunshine. It can be really difficult to resist the temptation to start sowing. However, making sure you're busy with other garden tasks keeps those itchy sewing fingers busy, and there's plenty to do to get yourself prepared for the busy months ahead. Thinking forward to those bean and pea plants that will be growing later in the season, it's a good idea to harvest any hazel sticks in your garden before the plants come into leaf. These sticks make the perfect natural plant supports and looked after well can last years, as well as being far more environmentally friendly than plastics. If you have any young strawberry plants on your plot, you should place cloches over them now. This will help to warm the soil and stimulate plant growth. You'll be glad you did when you're tucking into delicious, sweet, homegrown fruits in time for Wimbledon. If you're desperate to get sowing, there are some crops you can get out of the starting gates now. Chilies, especially those super hots, need a nice long season, so can be started off in a propagator now. Similarly, aubergines will benefit from early sowings. Broad beans, carrots and parsnips can be started off outside, but you'll need to consider your conditions as the soil will need to be warmed first. It's a good idea to keep some horticultural fleece handy to protect new sowings from any cold snaps. Light soils will accommodate the planting of garlic and shallots at this time, but if you have heavier soils, it is advisable to hold fire for a little bit longer. It's also a good idea to give your growing space a general once over before it bursts into life again and check your shed essentials, tools, undercover spaces, for anything that might need repairing or replacing ahead of another busy growing season. Once again, thanks so much to Hugh for chatting to us about his garden hacks. And until next time, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. Whether you're an accomplished organic grower or just interested in learning about growing in a more natural way, The Organic Gardening Catalogue is for you. They're the one-stop shop for all things garden-related. They've got a fantastic selection of seeds, plants, tools and more. Be inspired by growing organic, whether it be in a garden, an allotment or even on a city balcony. Visit organiccatalogue.com for more. And don't forget to subscribe to The Dirt for free to make sure you never miss an episode. 
We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell your allotment neighbours. We have some really exciting guests coming up and one of them could be you. Do you or someone you know have some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny disasters on the plot? Email thedirt at growfruitsandveg.co.uk to let us know. Plus, as a special treat for a monthly dose of trusted garden advice from the whole Grow Your Own team, we've got an exclusive offer just for the Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash pod G, that's P-O-D-G, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote pod G to get three issues of Grow Your Own magazine for just £6 and every issue comes with a selection of free seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.